But we're in this area of God's plan, and we're still in this whole series. Because God planned this salvation and planned for Jesus Christ to be born before the foundations of this world ever existed. And um, that whole thing is true, that we have to recognize that this is a plan of God. And that God is working the work. And even in the story of the birth of Christ, we need to understand and follow. This is God's plan. This is God's plan. Not man's plan. This is something that God has put together. And this is one of the most important things to understand why we come back and review it and review it at Christmas, the birth of Christ. Because this is something God did. God's plan of salvation for us. Because God recognized we could not save ourselves. We could not in any way deliver ourselves. And this is something that God himself had to do. And what God calls it is simply this. Good news to man. You can't save yourself. But I put forth a plan whereby you can be saved. You can be saved. I put forth a plan. But the thing is this here. You have to desire to accept my plan. And whether we like it or not, this really is the original plan and the only plan. A lot of people try to duplicate a plan. But this is the original plan. And nobody else can offer this plan. This plan of salvation only comes from God through Jesus Christ, through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It cannot be done or duplicated by anyone else. It is good news to man. It is good news to us that God has given unto us a Savior in Jesus Christ. And he calls it good news. Good news. Good news. Good tidings. An angel is assigned to bring this good news. It's an angel that shares it with men at first. This message of good news. It is one that men have been waiting for for centuries, for years. This good news about a Savior that would save them from their sin. The highlights of the Gospels is the narrative, oftentimes, of the birth and the death of Christ. And in that, from birth to death, is this life story of Jesus Christ. And it is an angel who announced it. Go with me to Luke chapter 2 and we're going to look at verse 10 through 11. 10 through 11. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, 
a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's good news. That's good news in any language. That's good news to every ethnic group, to every group of people, that there is a Savior and there's a way that God has planned for me to live eternally with him. That's good news. That's good news. And that good news has been spread around the world because it's good news. Good news is also sometimes called good tidings. Good tidings. But the question that we have to ask about this good news sometime and how do we unpack it, this good news, because see, I want you to recognize something. The word news there is in the plural. Not the singular. It's in the plural. That in this good news is more than just one thing. It's more than just one thing. We, we begin to unpack salvation because for you and I, oftentimes people only want to think in this manner or in this way. And in the Greek, this good news is just one word, and we'll, we'll get to that. But the whole process is this here. We just think salvation is it. Salvation is just the beginning. Look at salvation as a mother giving birth to a child. Is life just beginning or is life just ending? Life is just beginning and there's so much more to discover for that child. And salvation is new birth. And we're just beginning to walk with God and to learn of God and to understand that there's so much more in this life that we take when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. What is all in this message of good news? What's going to unravel in this message of good news? And we need to recognize that there's more to it. This good news refers to a Savior. And for the Jews, it was referring to the Messiah that they had been looking for. Simeon and Anne was excited to hear about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Mary brought Jesus to the temple and Simeon watched and saw and seen, he was just thrilled because now God had fulfilled his promise that he would not die until he see the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of Israel. Good tidings or news are the instructions given to a people. And oftentimes we miss that. That this good news is especially used when talking about salvation. Why? It is the instructions that is all wrapped up in this good news. It's not just I'm saved, but it's how to live out this salvation is how to live for God is how to take on this new nature 
that we receive in Christ. It is the instructions given to the people concerning the thing pertaining to salvation. That's good news. That's good news. That's real good news. How many of you have ever opened up a box? You got the thing there. But you really don't know what to do with it. You know you got to put it together. You know you got to use it. And you begin to dig through the box to look for what? The instructions. And when you find it, in a way, it's good. Sometimes, boy, you wish you wouldn't have found them because it's so difficult following them. But at the same time, you got something now that you can follow and begin to put this thing together. And that's the good news that God has given unto us. The instructions concerning about salvation, of how I'm going to live out this salvation. How am I going to live as a Christian? He didn't call you to be a Christian and, and just say, be a Christian. No, here's the instructions. Here's the instructions. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to grow in me. He says, here's the good news. And good news is that instructions that come along with salvation. And what we need to recognize, the meaning of news is, here is new information. New information. Information unknown. And the New Testament, the four Gospels were unknown. And what Jesus would teach was yet unknown. And when he began to teach it, it was as people said, what new teaching is this? And they began to learn because it was something new and, ex and exciting and different. It was the instructions that come along with this thing called salvation and being saved. And oftentimes people want to be saved, but they don't want the instructions. It's like taking on a job or putting on a uniform. I was reading something in the Daily Bread this past week, and you may have read it also. And it talked about the difference, and this woman gives the illustration between the difference of a costume and a uniform. That when you put on a costume, you're using your imagination and carrying out the things of that costume and so forth. But when you put on a uniform, you are what that uniform then declares that you are. And when you put on Christianity, you are a Christian. And you live out what is required of that uniform. It's not about your imagination. The standards are set. And here's how you are to live. This is how you are to act. This is how you are to talk. These are the things you are to do. They're there. They're defined for us. And that's good news. I don't have to guess about it. It's good news of how I am to live. Meaning of news is that new information, information unknown. And the word good news is evangelism. Evangelize is meaning messenger. It's the messenger of good news. The messenger of good news. That when we call ourselves evangelizing people, we are messengers of what? Of good news. The good news of what? 
that there's a Savior, that God has a plan for your life, and that God has provided for you, and that God desires that you live with him in the way that that's going to happen, that cannot really be explained, is just through you accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what he has provided for us. That's who he has given for us. He's given that life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we may have life in him. And he says, it is a gift. It is a gift unto us. None of us can boast about it. None of us can earn it. It is a gift that is given unto us. And the angels pronounce, the angel pronounce, good news. And you need to realize he sent from God to declare this good news that there is a Savior born in Bethlehem. There's a Savior born in Bethlehem. That's good news. And oftentimes we miss it. The gospel simply means in many different ways. The gospel, the good news, the good tidings is a good story. And you can just see all that in the area of what is said here is good news. It is the teaching of Jesus Christ. It's the story of redemption through Jesus Christ. It's the history of the life of Jesus. His birth. A little of his youth. And the ending from somewhere around 29 years old to 33 years old. So when you read the gospel, what you get is not a biography per se. But what you receive is a little history of the one who is your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That God tells you about his birth. He gives you just a little window then. That when he was 12 years old, he was found where at? In the temple doing what? He's about his father's business. But it also shows you his humility. That when his parents come in and they find him, that he is obedient unto his parents. And then we recognize that he goes back home with them. And all those years, as far as we can assume, that he was obedient and respectful to them because we don't see him again on the scene until he's baptized with John the Baptist somewhere about 29, 30 years old. And then we're seeing about a three-year span of his life and then death. So it's not a biography, per per se, that gives us the whole thing about his life, but it does give us a glimpse into the history of his life. And therefore, those first four books are called the gospel. The first three are the gospels. John is a synoptic gospel. But here he tells the story about the life of Christ. And that's what we get in this thing called the gospel. And oftentimes, what we find too is that this gospel is so much more. So much more. Look with me in Luke 1, 34 through 37. Luke 1, verses 34 and 37. And I want you to understand that here he is. This is the good news. I'm jumping way ahead of myself, but I want to put it in your mind. We're going to come back to it. Because it's always in this area of how, of how, of how. 
How God's going to do this? How's God going to save me? How's God going to do this thing? How's God going to have, have this happen? When you get into verse 34, he says, and this is when the angel is talking with Mary and so forth. And he said, how will this be, Mary asked. And I want you to understand something. Man is still asking that question. How am I going to be saved? And part of our problem with salvation is that we think we got to do a lot of changing. If God doesn't change you, you're not saved. Your changing is only an act of obedience as God brings about the changes. And you say, yes, Lord, I'll take this off, put this on. But if God isn't bringing the new clothing to you and you're just out here grabbing this and grabbing that and trying it on, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. And Mary says, how will this happen? I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. How is this going to happen? It's impossible, what Mary's trying to say. It's impossible for me to give birth to a child. It's impossible. And men still say today, it's impossible for me to be saved. It's not logical. It's not rational. It's not factual. No, it's by faith. It's by faith. And that's part of our problem today. That men think that they choose when they're going to be saved. No, God does that. Oh, yeah, you may walk down the aisle, but let me share something with you. If you walk down the aisle because of a pastor, if you walk down the aisle because of a choir, if you walk down the aisle of somebody pleading, begging, if you walk down the aisle saying, I better get on down here, a church ain't going to never end. It's not by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and by the living word of God. Salvation is prompt by the living word of God and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. If that doesn't happen and you can't identify that happening, you're really not saved. Even though you ran down the aisles of the church, you ran around the church and you baptized and everything else. If it is not of the Holy Spirit and of the living word of God that calls you to come forth, then it's not of God. It's not of God. It's not the issue of responding to eloquent preaching. It's not the thing of responding to a person per se. It's not a thing of weeping over what the choir is singing about and reacting to that. It is you coming to acknowledge in your seat, in your heart that God has spoke to me about my life and my sin and I'm dealing with it. And I know right now I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And Mary said, how is this possible? Go a little further with me. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. And she knew the age of Elizabeth, her cousin. 
And she knew that she'd been banned for many years. Not even expecting to be prayed. There comes a point in life you no longer even expect to what? To bring forth a child or pregnancy can take place. And Elizabeth is in that stage. She's in that place. Not even expecting. But here's something that the Lord does. Not in the same way that he deals with Mary. Because Elizabeth... Pregnancy comes about through her husband. But yet still, because of her age, her fruitful years, her barren years had passed. And she said, look at your cousin Elizabeth. Go a little further with me. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Now catch 37. It's strange how the Holy Spirit sometimes just drops things in. For what is not possible with man, look what he says. For nothing is impossible with God. Even my salvation is not impossible for God. That God is the one that has to save me. God is the one that has to do the work. God has to be involved in this. Because if God doesn't save me, I certainly cannot save myself. I certainly cannot save myself. Go back over to 1 Corinthians 15, 2 and 3 with me. It's a short version of the gospel. And oftentimes we call this the gospel in a nutshell. And some of you have heard me say that the gospel is that total life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in this is that area of what we need to understand, I think. That the gospel, this good news, is concerning the entire life of Christ, all that he taught, the examples that he gave, and all that he gave unto us. So, in 15 it says, Now, brethren, I want to remind you of the gospel and what is the gospel again? Good news. What is the gospel about? The Savior. What is the gospel entailing? All that he's taught. All the instruction of this thing called salvation. So therefore Paul says, I want to remind you. I want to refresh you, brothers. About this thing of the gospel. That the gospel, yes, in short many talk about. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But it's much more than that. Because you cannot have death without having first what? Life. So it's talking about his life to his death. That whole span that's in there. And he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. So what did he preach? 
not just about the death, burial, and resurrection, but the whole life of Christ and all that Christ taught. And he reminded them of what Christ had taught. And oftentimes we need to be reminded what did Christ teach? What did he teach? And to bring those teachings into our hearts that we might be like the psalmist, that we don't sin against God because we've hid that word in our hearts. And, the, and that word helps safeguard us. That word helps keep us the words of Christ. And he goes on and he says, I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. What are they standing on? Not just on the death, burial, and resurrection, but they're standing on that first of all, he was born and he was born as what? Savior. He was born as the one who would give us eternal life. He was the one that was born that would redeem us with his blood. He is the one that was born that would offer me forgiveness. I'm standing that I am forgiven and that I stand in the righteousness of Christ. That gospel has so much more in it. And he says, by this gospel you are saved and if you hold firmly to the words I preach to you otherwise you have believed in vain. One of the things that and we'll touch on this because as I've been going through this whole thing it, it has sparked a lot of issues in my life and in my thinking. And sometimes I ask the Lord, Lord, why am I taking all these notes? Why am I doing all this research? And then you change everything at the last moment. <laughs> you know? I have to write down everything else. But just think about it. He says, you stand on this. I'm standing on the teachings of Christ. Not just on the issue that he died and he rose again. But I'm standing on his life that he was born and that I know that he's my savior and I know that he gave instruction and that he taught. And yes, he died. And he arose the third day according to the scripture. I'm standing on the completeness of Christ. If you only accept Christ for salvation and that's all, you've missed so much. And I doubt if you're really saved. Because God, nowhere in Scripture, just offered fire insurance. He offered a way of life that He would teach us. And He says, You stand on it. You stand on it. You stand on it. You live by it. You're convinced by it. You conduct yourself by it. Your values come forth from it. All that you hold dear is rooted in Jesus Christ and all that he taught. Go to Acts 2.21. 
This is good news. And you can't explain it any other way. That it really is good news. That everyone who would call upon his name, and oftentimes we take that as, this is all it is then. I just call upon his name. When you call upon his name, what else comes with it? There's a lot more that comes with it. And he says, everyone, this is good news, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. But what we often forget is this here. The Holy Spirit is going to teach so much more. There's so much more in this contract. There's so much more in this covenant. There's so much more. And when you call upon it, God becomes obligated to allow you know the full contract. And he's going to teach it to you. He's going to give you the essentials. And what you have to be willing to understand that when you accept the contract, that's not an end of itself. It's just the beginning. When you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you're just beginning. You're just beginning. And it's not going to always be easy. And some of the things God asks you to let go of, it's going to be hard and difficult because you're accustomed to it. You're comfortable with it. You like it. But if you call upon his name, there's going to be some requirements. And I think we haven't done a good job in teaching those things. And he says, if you call upon his name, the name of the Lord, anyone, everyone who calls upon his name, and if I can add this to it, if you really mean business with God, he'll save you. He'll save you. Because Jesus puts it like this. I know what's in every man's heart. He knows you're only calling for a temporary fix. He knows if you're calling to build what they call those uh, weather type friends. Yeah. He knows what's in the heart. And he knows that the heart is sincere. And he knows if you're really at that moment designed to really do business with him. He knows it. And if you really call upon his name designed to really do godly business with him, eternal business with him, God says, I'll save you. I'll save you. It's not a time just to show off. It's not a time just to walk down the aisle and be seen. It's not a time in which you just somehow take care of your little need at that time. It's not a thing about satisfying mom, grandma, or anybody else. It's time to really deal seriously with God. Because God is dealing seriously with us. When he says, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, he'll save them. That's his promise to us. The question is, are we really ready to do business, eternal business with God, everlasting business with God? Are we truly ready?
people are still asking the question, how can I really be saved? And we see people, oh, I was saved one time. I was this one time. I was that. That don't happen. If you really understand salvation. If you're saved, you are saved. Now, don't misunderstand me here. Because you become saved don't mean that you're perfect. Because you're saved doesn't mean you won't sin again. Because you're saved doesn't mean you won't have some failures. It's the learning time. But you're just not running around here trying to please the ears of people saying, Oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. But there's no sign in your life that you're really struggling between you and God. Between you and Satan. That is real easy for you to go out and entertain the things of Satan. Something's wrong with that. There's something wrong when your mouth can lie right off and there's no conviction right now. There's something wrong when, you, as a man, you can run after woman, after woman, after woman, but you're safe. Something wrong with that. Yeah. Something's wrong with the woman who just got, I got to have, well, you got a man. His name is Jesus. And somewhere, some of this stuff has to stop today. And we get back to the real serious business of dealing with Jesus and our salvation. It's not on my terms. It's not on my terms. It's on his terms. Either I fully accept his terms, or I don't. Or I don't. But what is impossible for man to do, God is able to do. What else is in this message of good news? One Philippian says, and this is so good, that when God announced that he was bringing good news, he was bringing a savior into the world, what did God do? He did away with all other idols, all other so-called gods, and he said, every knee shall bow to the name of Jesus. Every knee. And he declared right then that Christ is deity. For Buddha will die, will, will bow. Mohammed will bow. Everyone, everything that has breath will bow his knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every knee will bow. The good part about that is this. When we bow, we bow willingly. We bow recognizing and saying, thank you, Jesus. You're Lord of my life. You're my Savior. You're my Master. You're my Redeemer. You're the one who has washed me. You're the one who clothed me in your righteousness. We bow graciously, humbly before you. And others, you ever see in the movie sometimes they have to take a stick and hit somebody? And God says, every knee is going to bow. Every knee, even if it has to be forced upon you, it's going to bow. You will not be able to stand there in your pride and your arrogance and denounce or say, it's going to bow. And whether you want the tongue to say it or not. I used to take my kids sometimes. They would want to say one thing, and I'd tell them, no, you say this. (laughs) 
Now, I remember my mom used to say that. You say this. And she'd be right there with that rolling pin. You say this. (laughs) And God is saying, your own mouth, and out of your own mouth, you're going to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, you may not have accepted him as Lord, but you're going to say it. And you're going to know instantly he really is. He really is. He really is. And God says, every knee, every tongue will confess. Acknowledging the deity of Christ. And even Satan himself is going to have to bow. And every demon in hell is going to have to bow. And acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. They already know who he is. When you look through scripture and whenever Christ deals with a demon, they know who he is. But they're going to be made to bow and confess. He is our righteousness. Go to 1 Corinthians 1.30. He's my righteousness. He's not only my Savior. He was not born just to be my Savior, but he is my righteousness. He's all the wisdom that I will need from God. It says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness. Holiness and redemption. Look at all that Christ is. He's my Savior, yes. But he's my wisdom, yes. He's my righteousness, yes. He's my holiness, yes. He's my redemption, yes. Look at all what he is. He's more than just Savior. Isn't that good news? That's good news. He's all that I need. He's an all-sufficient Savior. He provides everything, all that I need. I lack for nothing in Him. I am complete in Him. That's good news. That's good news. He is our peace with God. When you look at Romans 1 and 2, He's our peace with God because we were at odds with God. We were the enemies of God. And now I have peace with God. That's good news. That's good news to know that I can be at peace with the creator of this universe. And then in John 16, I had peace. His peace he gives me. That as I travel through this world and go through these problems of life, I have peace. It's his peace. Not only do I have peace with God, but I have internal peace no matter what's going on around me. I have peace. I have peace. Turn with me to Philippians 3.7. Philippians 3.7. Look what he says here. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever it was for my profit, I now consider what? It loss. How's one of the ways that I know that I love Christ? 
all these other things, as one person said, really don't mean what? When you come to realize all this right here is only temporal, how many of you plan on taking your latest fashions with you when you pass on? Boy, that when you stand before God, you can dress up real good. Let me share something. If you don't have the robe of Christ on, the robe of righteousness on, whatever you bought at O'Neill's or Pennies or whatever made, it's not going to work. It won't work. And we need to understand that. It's not going to work. This good news has a joy to it also that is not found in life. This joy cometh with the good news. When you look at Luke 10 again, look what follows it. It simply says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of what? Great joy. Of great joy. Not only did he bring us good news, he brought us an everlasting joy that accompanies this Savior that I can't find in this world. And he describes it, the great joy. You'll have great joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the Lord is identifying with him. And he says, I have joy. I have joy. It's a joy. The good news is joyful to everyone that hears it. It removes the sadness. It removes the depression. It removes the longing. Well, what's going to happen to me when I die? It's a great joy to understand that I'm going to live eternally with him. It's a great joy to know that one day I'm going to see him face to face. It is a joy to understand that one day I'm not going to have to worry about giving an account for my sins or whatever happened in the past because I have through the Lord Jesus Christ, have been removed from the wrath of God. And that's great joy. That's great joy. That is joyful. That's something to be joyful about. Knowing when I go home, I'm not set to get a whooping. Remember when you was in school and got in trouble? The old folks used to say, if you got a paddle in that school, you're going to get one where? And boy, you, you was taking your time getting home because it wasn't joyful about getting home. But there's going to be a day, as old folks, you say that, good, that they're great getting that morning. Well, the whole process, that's not going to happen. But when, when I'm home with God, it's going to be joyful. It's going to be joyful. Because this good news is joyful to the hearts of men. This good news is joyful to the minds of men. This good news is joyful. No matter what's going on in life, the economy can crack. I got joy in the Lord. Understand something. Yes, I believe in saving. You nasty lame that now. I believe in saving. All my kids will attest to that. But I also understand this, that God is the one who provides for me. He's the one who provides for me. So if I don't have a dime, I know this, I have him. A gentleman tells me a story every now and then. And he tells me a story when he was out of work and didn't have anything. 
and he puts the story this way. It was at Christmas time. And he went to his refrigerator and they opened their refrigerator. Wasn't nothing much in there. But the wife says, we have each other. That's all that really matters. If I don't have anything here, I got him. And we got each other. Amen? And sometimes that's all that matters. Is that we got each other. I have the Lord and he has me. And praise God, he'll never let go of me. The good news is joy. Go to Romans 5.2 and you're going to see it again. Romans 5.2. And you, you're going to hear Paul talks about this joy in a little different way. He said, through whom we have gained access by faith unto the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. Rejoice in what? Our joy is in what? In the hope of the glory of God. Great news. Good news. Great joy. Great joy. And this hope that I have in Jesus Christ that I'm not going to be left in some grave. A great joy knowing that absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. A great joy that has been promised unto me that I will see him face to face. And I have that hope. I have that hope. That eternal hope. And that confidence that I'm going to be with him one day. You have that hope? You have that confidence? You know where you're going? And you know if you were to die today, you could say, boy, I'm going home. And we could say of you, absent from the body and what? Present with the Lord. Do you have such confidence? He says, I rejoice in this hope of this Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to 14. Romans 14. Again, look at where the joy is at. Look how it's explained. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Now that matters to us. We have, we have a lot of parties and joy around what? I miss my old friend Roger because whenever we go out and break bread, guess what? It was just going to be a joyful time. It was going to be a laughing time. It was just going to be a good time. You know? The, the whole process is that we get excited about the eating and drinking part. But he said, the kingdom of heaven, that's not what it's about. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you found yourself joyful in the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you found yourself just crying tears of joy? It, it, it don't make sense sometimes when you're crying and then it's what? Yeah. 
But God is able to do that with us. That we can have such joy that tears come. You know, that, that tears come. And when last time you found yourself going around your house, can't really explain it, but you're just singing away. And then when somebody catch you, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. But it's just the joy of the Lord, as the children used to say, the joy of the Lord is just bubbling over. You know? When's the last time you found yourself just that? You know? And when's the last time you found yourself so thrilled with the Lord and the joy? You may not be able to do James's little holy dance, but you do some kind of little dance. You know? And sometimes your dance can't do no more than this. You know? But it's the joy of the Lord with you at that moment. Because the joy of the Lord is not about the eating and the drinking, but it's about the righteousness that I've received. It's about the peace of God that I've received and the joy that I have. No matter what's happening out here and what you're saying about me or whatever, I've got the joy of the Lord. You didn't give it to me, and what you can't do, you can't take it. That joy. And he said it would be a great joy. This announcement of this good news will bring great joy to the people. Not about this earthly stuff. Eating and drinking is earthly stuff. But God's kingdom, that salvation of mine is about my righteousness and the peace with God and the peace of God and the joy in the relationship. I have with the Lord. This good news, what does it bring with it? It brings a mediator. And we can't cover everything that when he talks about this good news about a Savior being born because it covers so much. We just can't cover it all in one. But because of Christ's coming, you and I have a mediator with God. And he mediates for us. He talks on our behalf. And he's there to defend me. Because I do have an accuser. And there's Jesus Christ mediating for me. So Timothy 2.15 said, there is only one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. One mediator. One mediator. That stands there. And speaks for me. And when 1 John 2, 1. I see him doing his mediator. Because he's my advocate. He's speaking on my behalf. The savior. That is born in Bethlehem. Is my mediator. Not only my savior, but my mediator between me and God. And he's my advocate when I do fail. And when God looks upon me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. The last of this good news, and we could go through the Bible and pick out many more areas that would be good news to man is that it's to all people. It's to all people. If we understand that at this time, as a church, 
that the good news is sent out to all people. So how should that look to us? We should be trying to reach Asians that are in this area. We should be trying to reach people of Spanish descent that is in this area. We need to try to reach Caucasians that are in this area. We need to reach African Americans that are in this area. We need to be trying to reach all people. Why? Because this message, this thing of good news is for all people. District Superintendent asked me a question and said, yes, we are looking for an assistant. And um, gentlemen down at Tacoa Falls and Nyack Bow, they asked me in job placement, well, well, Gus, what type of person are you looking for? What kind of, you know, and I said, they can be Spanish, they can be Asian, they can be African American, they can be Caucasian. <laughs> the main issue is this here, has God called them? And do they really love the Lord and want to serve? I don't think this church would have a problem if somebody else or some other ethnic person came up here and was the pastor. I hope we wouldn't have a problem. Because we would understand that God has chosen that man I hope we wouldn't have a problem if we wind up with an assistant pastor that is Spanish. Because we have a large Spanish group here in America, here in Akron. And that we understand that this gospel is for all people. For all people. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. 11 through 19, and we'll hear you close here just a moment. Just bear with me. Look what this Savior does. Pick up with me in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth. What's a Gentile? A non-Jew, that's all. So in that one word, we cover all the what? All the other ethnic groups in that one word. And he simply says, remember, formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you are separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. Now, important to understand Israel, not the kingdom of God, Israel. And foreigners to a covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two one. And has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing 
in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. That we all have the same blood, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've all been born of one blood, the blood of Christ. It's not this ethnic group against this ethnic group or this race against this race. Yes, we do have our problems, don't we? And most likely those problems will always exist in some form, some fashion. But we who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to see each other as brothers and sisters in one body, in one family, with one Father, the living God. And it's that Savior who brought that good news. The angel said, here's good news with great joy. The great joy, I don't have to fight against anybody. I don't have to be envious of anybody. Because my father is not a respecter of person. That's good news when you really understand that. And what he has given to one, he can what? Give to another. That's good news. And you and I need to recognize that the angel brought this good news unto us. And he speaks, even in Corinthians 12, 12, about this one body made up of many. Made up of many. Let's close out with 2 Corinthians 10, 15 through 16. 2 Corinthians 10. And we're done. Yeah. Our God is so good in sending this Savior. And oftentimes we forget that it's all because of him. In that verse 15, let me focus these eyes. Listen to what Paul says. When you go back to Luke 2.10, he says, this good news is for all people. Listen to Paul. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of works done of others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand. Now catch 16. So that we can preach the gospel in the regions where? Yes. As a church, our desire should be to reach beyond ourselves. To reach beyond just our own race. To reach beyond just our own little community. Because this gospel is to all people of all ages. Boy. And he says, it's good news. It's good news to a 10-year-old who understands it. It's good news to a 70-year-old who understands it. And it's even good news to teenagers who really understand it because of the liberation that it does in their life.
the hope that it gives in their life. We need to understand something. That the angel brought unto us this special message from God called good news in the person of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus teaches us, what he is teaching us is this. Good news. He's instructing us in good news. And it's liberating us. It's setting us free from the bondage of the things of this world. And that's good news. Anybody need to be set free? Anybody need to be let go of some of the things of this world? See, I'm still struggling with some of those things. And he's still setting me free. That's good news. That's good news to me. That I can be free of them. Because of him. Amen? Amen. See him more than just a babe in a manger. Amen. See him more. And understand your salvation is much, much more than just being saved. Amen? Amen. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And we thank you, Lord, for this great gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to explore all there is in salvation. Help us, O God, not to be ashamed of this great salvation. But, Lord, may we, Lord, dive into it, and, Lord, may we seek after it, Lord. And may we grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, enrich our lives with him. Enrich our lives with your Holy Spirit. Fertilize us with your word, O God. And Lord, may you, O oh God, be blessed by the way in which we live and honor you. Help us to see far more. Help us to see how rich this gospel is. And help us to understand that, Lord, salvation is only the beginning. It's not the end. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here today and you never accepted Christ, we don't want to close out without giving you that opportunity. Because, see, the good news was meant for you.